just raise our hands and worship Him now together. Oh, we fall down and we lay our crown at the feet of Jesus and the greatness of His mercy and love at the Just worship him now. together for our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. He's so worthy to be praised, friends. Glory to God. It's good to see each and every one in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. My, what a blessed day just to gather in his name. Man, I see some empty seats out here. I think some folks are traveling. Uh, they were gone for uh, Brother Mitchell's wedding, but that's all right. We're going to have a good time anyways. Man, we'll just trust the Lord to keep them safe in their travels back. Had a little song on my heart. Maybe we could just key this up here. Fill my way with love. Well, fill my way every day with love. Oh, as I walk with the heavenly dove. Oh, let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. And let me walk. Bless the Lord in the way thou hast gone, leading straight to the land above. Oh, giving cheer everywhere to the side and alone. Fill my way every day with love. Oh, fill my way every day with love. Oh, as I walk with the heavenly dove. Let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. Yes, keep me close to the side of my Savior and God. Let me never in darkness roll. 
trouble keep my path free from wrath and my soul satisfied fill my way every day with love singing out will fill my way every day with love oh as i walk with the heavenly dove oh let me go all the while with a song and a smile fill my way every day with love and soon the race will be o'er and i'll travel no more but abide in my home above you glad of that let me sing blessed king all the way to the show fill my way every day with love Oh, fill my way every day with love As I walk with the heavenly dove Let me go all the while with a song and a smile Fill my way every day with love again now And a smile fill my way every day with love. Will Jesus hold my hand? I need the every eye this pilgrim land, oh Lord, protect. Pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. Well, he leads me safely through the sinking sand. He is the Christ of Calvary. And this would be my prayer, dear Lord, each day to help me do the best I can. Jesus, hold my hand, singing out, well, Jesus, hold my hand, oh yes, I need every hour, while through this pilgrim land, oh Lord, protect me by the saving power, down on me and when I kneel in prayer oh I hope to meet you there blessed Jesus hold my hand well let me travel in this light divine that I may see the blessed way well keep me that I may be holy thine 
sing redemption song someday. Well, I will be a soldier brave and true and ever firmly take a stand. Oh, yes, as I onward go and daily meet that foe, blessed Jesus, hold my hands at your prayer. Well, Jesus, hold my hand. Will I need the every hour while through this pilgrim land? Oh, Lord, protect me by thy saving power. Oh, hear my feeble plea. Dear Lord, look down on me. And when I kneel in prayer, oh, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. When I wander through this valley, damp toward the setting of the sun, oh, now lead me safely to that land of rest. My crown of life have a won, oh, Lord. I have put my faith in I may reach that golden strand. Oh, yes, there's no other friend on whom I can depend. Blessed Jesus, oh, my hand. Last time now, well, Jesus, hold my hand. Oh, yes, I need you every hour. i through this pilgrim land. Protect me by thy Hear my feeble plea Oh Lord, look down on me And I kneel in prayer Oh, I hope to meet you there Blessed Jesus, hold my hand Well, this old world will never hold me any moment I'll be gone For I made my consecration And I've got my wedding garments on Well, this old world will never hold me Any moment I'll be gone For I made my consecration Got my wedding garment on One more time now Well, this old world Will never hold me Oh no Any moment I'll be gone For I made My consecration And I've got My wedding garment on Oh, give him some praise this morning Hallelujah Amen, amen. Sounds like we got some excited people in this building. Hallelujah. Let's sing one more. I'll enter his gates, key of C. Oh, my. I love it when we can all gather in one accord. Amen. And you just put your heart and soul into it the way you do. Amen. I wish you could hear it from my point of view. Amen. Imagine if it sounds like that to me, what it sounds like to our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Let's sing this little song together. 
Well, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Oh, I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Well, he has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. And I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Yes, I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Well, he has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Yes, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. And I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. Yes, I will sing. Yes, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? And with my mouth, oh, thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness, and with my mouth shall I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Once again, well, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. Yes, I will sing, oh, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord, Lord, with my mouth shall I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness, and with my mouth shall I make Let's put them together once again. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Oh my, how we praise you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Musicians can play something softly. We're going to change the order of our service now at this time and take our special needs to the Lord and have quite a few on this list here. And as we said before, there's a lot of folks out traveling. So we want to keep all of them in prayer. For traveling mercies, amen, we miss them when they're gone. Some of them probably streaming on the way, amen, and we hope that the service will be a blessing to them as well, amen, wherever they may be. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, let's continue to remember our sister Mary in prayer. Um, she's making steady improvement, but uh, we just want to hold her up before God in prayer for complete healing and touch her body and also for Brother Richard uh, as a, he's her caregiver, and I'm sure that's hard on him. 
So we just want to remember that family in prayer. Remember the drum family as well. They're not here with us. And don't see them in the building. So we want to remember Brother Joseph and Sister Frida in prayer. Um, if you'd remember in prayer, Brother John Cockman's father-in-law, have a special need here for him. Uh, my Aunt Sherry, Sister Holly, uh, if you'd remember her in prayer as well, she needs a touch from the Lord. And um, also, if you would continue to remember my grandmother, uh, Sister Betty Brown, in prayer. She just um, just needs a real touch from the Lord in this time. If you would remember her and the family in prayer, we would greatly appreciate that. Amen. Uh, the Godwin family, if you remember them in prayer, uh, they're at home today. Just a special need. Um, we have some folks visiting. Uh, my sister, uh, Amy, Kathy, and John, her husband, up from Florida. So we're just grateful to have them with us. It's always a blast. And uh, just spending some time with them. Come up for Nathan's birthday party. So we're glad to have them with us. Also, we have uh, Sister Leah's grandmother and mother with us today. It's nice to see you all as well. So we just welcome you to the service. And thank you for joining in in your worship. Amen. Uh, if you'll remember Sister uh, Angie and Brother Mike in prayer, uh, they're traveling to Kansas. And uh, that's all that I have at this time. Do you have special needs on your heart that you'd like to make known before the Lord? Amen. Brother Andy Irish, if you'll make your way to the front, brother, and we'll pray over these needs with you together. Amen. Brother Peter, if you would uh, make your way to the... Oh, there he is. He has an announcement. Sorry, brother. Uh, just after the song service. lovely Lord Jesus come before you Father and Lord by faith we lay our hands upon that perfect sacrifice and we would ask Lord that you'd forgive us forgive us for anything we've done wrong Lord anything that would be contrary to your spirit that would hinder this service that would hinder the moving of your spirit or the flow of your word we ask for your forgiveness Lord Jesus and we place it under that blood, Father. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that blood, Lord. And for that faith to have that sacrifice, Lord, for us. That we can stand before your presence as though we never did it in the first place. Father, what a revelation that a believer can have. Is that we can stand before you fully justified as though we've never done it in the first place. And Father, we come. And by faith, we bind our hearts together. We bind our faith together. And I lay my hands upon these prayer requests, Lord. And Lord, these people had enough faith to ask someone or to be put on this list, Lord. They had enough faith to come to you, Father, for whatever they're in need of, whether it be healing or traveling mercies or just something, Father, a closer walk, whatever it may be, Lord. And those that raise their hands, Father, Lord, may you meet every one of their needs in your perfect will, Father. And Lord, we ask that you would just take a hold of the man of God that would stand behind this pulpit. And you would use him, Lord Jesus, just as a vessel, Father. And may that word go forth. But more importantly, Lord, may your spirit come and water that word. And may it come to fruition, Father. Lord, we give you this day and all that's done. And we ask that you bless it. And we thank you. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, you can have your seats, Brother Peter, if you come on up.
Good morning. I've come to look forward to doing these, um, these updates. This is a Sunday school update. Last time we did this was, <clears throat> excuse me, May of last year. So time really flies um, if it's been actually that long since we did an update. And the goal was to do it every quarter. Of course, that's, you know, we're failing badly. But here we are. Here we are. So we're doing, we're doing okay. Um, I won't take up much of your time. Just a few minutes. I've got four general topics here to, uh, to tell you about. And again, I think these updates are important because a lot of you adults, you're not obviously in the Sunday school program. You're not out in the fellowship hall watching at uh, 1015 as things kick up and it's at 1015 it's on, you know, it's happening, it's real. Um, and kids are flying and doing their thing and it's loud and it's, it's pretty boisterous. So you missed out on that. I think it's important for you to hear a little bit of what's going on in the Sunday school program every little once in a while. Um, and also have some spe- specific things to tell you about too. All right, so let's jump in here. Some general updates. Um, Let's see, last time we talked about the fellowship hall and putting things back together after an event and things like that, uh, being respectful of the fellowship hall during Sunday school hours, and we appreciate that. It's been much improved, so I want to pass on that feedback that we appreciate that, and that's uh, also with Brother Christmas Education's help managing the fellowship hall, but it's been better, and we're grateful for that, so thank you. Um, Always, I I can't help but give an update and say that being on time is greatly appreciated. It makes a huge difference to the teachers, especially if there's, you know, for example, a craft going on and you're halfway into the class and then somebody shows up, well, you got to get uh, little Jimmy back up to speed and he's got to roll back into it and start, you know, gluing on the stuff, the, the uh, cotton swabs or whatever from scratch and he's catching up with it. You get where I'm headed, right? So being on time is important. It's really helpful. Uh, parents, as a reminder, we've discussed this before, have a discussion with your current teacher before you let your kid move to the next class. All right, so if they're coming up to that age, let's say they're coming to my class and they're getting ready to turn 13. Well, at 12 and a couple of weeks, go ahead and have a conversation with your current teacher, which would be Sister Laura, and let them know that that, that birthday's coming up because she would like to do something special for them. Um, in some cases, a child might have been in her class for three years, potentially. Uh, it's a long time. So it'd be, it'd be fun to not just have that abrupt change in, oh, where's, where's Jimmy Bob? Well, he went over to the Peter's class today and he's gone. Oh, okay. So, so do that, please. Have a conversation with your current teacher. Let them know that the birthday's coming up. Uh, we have, as, as teachers, we've also said we're going to take a little bit more of an active role in watching for birthdays so we can be aware of that coming up too. But um, just help us out. We think that's, think that's important. i got to put in a plug for Sister Laura too uh, for those kids in her class. Bring your Bibles. Parents, please have your kids bring their Bibles to Sunday school in general. Sister Laura is especially promoting that and getting them ready to come to my class, kind of graduate into teenhood and so forth. So if they're coming to class, especially in Sister Laura's group, bring your swords with you, bring your Bibles, okay? All right, a couple of, uh, that's topic number one. Second one is some staffing updates. So this is interesting. After seven plus years of service, and I don't see him here today, uh, so she's not, um, here to hear me say a thank you to Rachel Pritchard for, again, seven plus years of being a Sunday school teacher. So um, a big, big thank you to her and all the effort she's put in. She led the small group, the smallest of groups, uh, which can be a real challenge. You know, they're, they're distracted, they're moving around, they're, they're um, energetic and so forth. Uh, so a big thank you to her. Um, she has turned over the reins to Sister Keisha Clayville. So we really, really appreciate Sister Keisha, Keisha stepping up and taking on that role again, it's a challenge. Sister Kim Ward is going to be her backup uh, in that class. So if you see new faces out in the fellowship hall when Sunday school is going on, 
or Sister Casey comes up and talks to you about the behavior of one of your children, that's why. Okay, she's the teacher. Uh, for the oldest class, so we've uh, made a couple of changes there, retooling a few things. That class is on pause for right now. And over the course of the summer, uh, Brother Aaron and Brother Barry and myself will reevaluate the older class, that's 18 and up, and see what our options are moving forward in the fall uh, time frame. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, we'll let you know and uh, keep you posted. Brings me to my third topic. So our, our teachers work hard, and I appreciate that you parents work hard also in bringing your kids to class uh, each and every Sunday and got to get up that extra 45 minutes early uh, or whatever it is and get here on time. Really, so church is at 11. Here we go. I'm on my soapbox. Church is at 11. Should be here at 1030, of course. Uh, Sunday school starts at 10:15, so really you're only bringing your kids here 15 minutes early, right? All right, uh, okay, I'll I'll get off. Uh, it's still it's still um, a commitment, right? It's still something that you all have to do as parents, and uh, so I think it's good that we take a break every now and again. So what the Sunday school teachers and I discussed was taking a summer break, kind of following the school schedule to some extent, best we can, and uh, so we're going to do that. We're going to take two months off this summer, and I hope the kids won't lynch me for that. Um, uh, but I think it's a good thing. So beginning June 18th through August 13th, uh, we'll be taking a Sunday school break, all right? So it'll just be church time as normal at 11 o'clock, 10.30. Um, so during the summer, you know, this is a great time. We might do some outings. Sister Laura has some things planned with her class. We'll do some um, uh, youth events still. We won't let those drop during the summer. Uh, so there might be some kind of fun activities happening during the summer, so stay tuned for that. But uh, by and large, Sunday school will be be canceled it will be canceled during those two months uh and the last but not least i would just um um let you know of some some topics i like to do this because i think it's important for you to hear what's being taught in the sunday school program this is just a small snippet of what's gone on over the past well since i did this last time so in november all right so listen to some of these topics these are great uh start out with my class personal finances for teens we took about six weeks to did did personal finances uh, talked about resurrection power, uh, prayer life, how to have a prayer life and maintain it. Uh, church age book, going through the church age book in detail. Um, the topic of music, this is the older classes, Brother Aaron led it, just did a fantastic job on music and how to discern um, you know, what, what's, what's appropriate and what's not and what I should be letting into my mind and so forth. The life of Daniel, uh, lessons from the judges, we got Samson, Deborah, Gideon, uh, the book of life, borderline believers, foolish virgins, etc. Uh, Easter, of course, Bible familiarity, just general Bible awareness, which is a great thing. Uh, spiritual warfare, armor of God, desert journey of the Israelites, Ten Commandments. Uh, these are fantastic topics, I think. I mean, this is, you know, line these up with, against any other curriculum that's out there for Sunday school, which, by the way, we don't use. The teachers are sovereign, if you will, to pray about what topics they, they want to present, and they're free to pursue those. So we don't necessarily use a curriculum. Um, to me, that's a pretty solid list of, of things. And for my part, I want my kids to be exposed to that. I want them to be a part of that uh, each and every Sunday. I think it's pretty amazing. So, again, I think it's important for you to hear that. Thank you for your time. Um, and, again, I just I like the fact that we can bring to you what we're doing in the Sunday School program and keep it kind of in front of you. And the last thing I would say is a very, very heartfelt, thankful uh, thank you to the teachers. They do an incredible job. And uh, it's difficult. It's time-consuming. Uh, they're working on it throughout the week, getting a lesson prepared for the kids on the weekend. And so 
you know, even for myself on a personal level, for Sister Rachel and I, we thank the teachers for what they're doing for our kids. It's fantastic. So uh, if you would, please join me in a hand, uh, round of applause for our teachers. We appreciate Brother Peter and uh, Brother Aaron and Sister Keisha and Sister Julia and Sister Laura for all they do for the church. Amen. That was, that was very touching, Brother Peter, and, and all that you do as well for the church and for the children and the youth around here. Amen. I believe it's, it's just a blessed thing that we have in our assembly, amen, that people that care about the youth and the younger generation. They're the ones that are coming up behind us. Amen. We'll pass the torch on to them if time goes on. Man, if we don't invest in them, who's going to take that torch on? Amen? And so we appreciate all that effort that goes into that. Amen? Um, let's all stand. Amen? We'll sing a little special or a couple songs here and uh, maybe have a special or two. Got the song on my heart, uh, His Strength is Perfect. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but sometimes I wonder what he can do through me. No great success to show. Who carry? 
have your seats. Uh, I think uh, Elijah, Elijah and uh, Sophia have a uh, song today. If they would, Eli's sister Eliza and Sophia, if they'd make their way to the front. Amen. Have a special for us today. Hallelujah.
so grown up already. What a beautiful song. Amen. There's hope in Christ, friends. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand. We're going to have our deacons, if they would make their way to the front, and we'll take up our morning offering. Amen. Friends, you can feel free to give as unto the Lord. Amen. We know our tithes, our offerings go around this world to spread God's kingdom. Amen. Brother Jeff, if you'll lead us in prayer. Let's sing the little song together. In Christ alone I place my trust. In Christ alone will I glory. Though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure. And by His strength alone I overcome. And oh, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hand. But those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand in Christ alone. I place my Christ alone, in Christ alone do I glory, for only by His grace I am redeemed, for only His tender mercy could reach beyond my weakness to my need. I seek no greater honor than just to know Him more and to count my gains but losses to the glory of my Lord. Sing it with me now. In Christ alone, oh, I place my trust and the power of the cross. Oh, in every victory, let it be said of me. Yes, my source of strength. Oh, my source of hope is Christ alone. In Christ alone. Well, in Christ alone. Oh, I and find my glory in the power of the cross. Yes, in every victory, let it be said, oh. 
you we wonder sometimes where we would be and Lord where we would stand today but Lord by your grace we have been made accepted in the beloved and it is through the power of the cross and the blood that you shed Lord that we stand today acceptable in your sight Father we pray you just have your way take our worship Lord take our hearts take our thoughts take our faculties Lord I pray and just bring glory and honor in the praises of your people Father, we just commit this time to you. Forgive us, Lord, of anything that would hinder or impede the moving of the Holy Spirit today, Lord. But may you just move among us, Lord, and speak to our hearts. And Father, may we be confident and assured, Lord, that we are truly the sons and daughters of God, standing on the, on the promises for this day. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would just come, Lord, and minister to this assembly. Lord, and several are traveling today. We place them into your care. We ask, oh God, that you would just bring them home safely today. We want to say we love you and we thank you for all you have provided and all you have done. We give thanks. We give you glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. I'd like to sing it just a little bit more, if you don't mind. In Christ alone, second verse there. <clears throat> In Christ alone. I trust, find my glory in the power of the cross. It will be victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength and my source of hope is Christ. By His grace I am redeemed, for only His tender mercy could reach beyond my weakness to my need. And now I seek no greater honor than just to know Him to count my gains but losses to the glory of my Lord in Christ the Lord I place my Welcome, pilgrim, to the house of God, and you may be seated this morning. <clears throat> Jeremy, just take me up just a, just a touch there. We welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning, and uh, it is certainly uh, an honor to have you with us today. 
uh, all of our guests and visitors and friends, and we're, uh, we're glad you're here and filling some empty pews. We've got a lot of people who are streaming today and uh, driving, got a long drive ahead of them back, uh, back to church here. So thank you, musicians. We'll let you take your places there. And uh, as has already been announced, we uh, were able to go yesterday and uh, witness the vows for uh, Mitchell and Megan. And uh, it was a wonderful time uh, out in uh, Indiana, Muncie, Indiana, which uh, is where just where Sister Megan's from. And uh, it happened. They're, it, it's done. They're bound. Uh, they're gone to Disney. They'll be back. And uh, so we, uh, we just had a, a great time. Good turnout there from the church. And uh, appreciate these guys uh, being there. I think it's a wonderful testimony to, to see our young people, you know, stepping off in the marriage and having a good testimony and, uh, you know, uh, just preserving themselves by God's grace for that uh, moment at the, at the altar when uh, they can begin their marriage together and, and uh, have the blessing of God. I, I just think it's a wonderful thing. Great, great, certainly great to be a part of that. Uh, let me just make a couple of quick announcements here. Uh, we just have one birthday this week that we wanted to mention. May birthdays are always special, so we certainly don't want to uh, leave that out. But Sister Tina Knobloch's birthday is this week on the 26th of May. So they're not here, I don't think, today. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you uh, have heard the news, but Brother Ron and Sister Tina have joined the illustrious group of people that call themselves grandparents. And uh, so Becca is uh, expecting, and so they're pretty excited about that. So they're kind of, you know, tracking back and forth between here and, and uh, Georgia and uh, we're, we're excited for them. Because grandchildren are special. I think they're some of the best singers in the world. And uh, we, well, I'm just delighted, excited to have all of my grandchildren here today. And uh, love them very much. I want to say, uh, too, uh, that uh, I appreciated uh, Brother Peter's report for Sunday School. And I stand behind every single thing that he said that... Uh, everything from the topics that they covered all the way down to bring your Bible and parents get them here on time. Uh, I think that's really great, and I, 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 I wholly support the Sunday school. I was out there this morning, and I like to go out there sometimes on a Sunday morning and just kind of wander around. It's like a church dinner for kids out there. You, I mean, it's just amazing the variety of food, and none of it is good for you. And the kids, the kids know the routine. They got it down pat. They, uh, it, it's, it's exciting. And they know where to go. And they head to their classes, you know. And, and uh, it's just really great. And I love to go out and see it. And love to see all that uh, teaching going on and, and uh, the joy that they have. And none of them are complaining. I don't see any parents dragging their kids into Sunday school. Get in there, yeah. I don't see any of that at all. They, they just, they're burst through the door and they're ready to go. And that's the evidence that teachers are doing something right. When that happens, and uh, I, I think it's just a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing to watch. I, uh, I just want to say that uh, Peter uh, is, uh, to me, was the right man for the job, and uh, he's not sitting in here at the moment, but uh, we, we just surely do appreciate his, uh, his dedication, his work, his organization, and communication to us, because it's great to know what's going on. Because if you're if you're never out there, or you're uh, you know you drop your kids off and you never uh, wander out there, it's it's really nice to hear that report of what they're what they're actually doing, and uh, those groups become tight. And I think it's a, that's a great thing. It's the way it should be. 
Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to uh, just mention a couple of other things here. Uh, Brother Aaron has been uh, giving me some updates here, and I wanted to show you just two pictures. Uh, this is a group from Zimbabwe, and uh, we've been uh, just filtering Bibles into these outlying areas, and uh, this, was, this was pretty neat. And uh, just to let you know, we're ramping up some of the work that's going on in Zimbabwe because there are so many believers who are there, and they've had so little material over the last several years to work with. So now we're getting uh, materials in uh, three languages mainly uh, out to them, and that's exciting uh, to see that happening. And uh, one of these uh, groups wrote, one of these ministers wrote and said, we thank God for uh, our two churches in these two villages here that received 15 Bibles, and may God bless you for supporting that missionary work. So that's that group, and you can see the huts in the background there, and that's where, that's where they're, they're pretty excited about having their own Bibles. And just to let you know, I, I thought this was extraordinary. This is another group here in another, uh, in another town, and uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but... Uh, I want, you, I want you to read the, with me the, the caption on this one. Thank you very much for the 50 Shona Bibles, which were distributed to our 43 assemblies. You do the math. You have 50 Bibles, 43 churches. That's 1.1 Bibles per church. Uh, you know, and, and they're, they're writing a note here because they're, they're thankful for that. You know, I mean, uh, Aaron, am I reading that right? I mean, that's, that's so, you know, you, you, you give, we, we give uh, funds, you know, to purchase 50 Bibles, and you realize it doesn't even scratch the surface. You know, here's ministers that are traveling and ministers to 43 different churches in that area, and there's at least 100 or 200 people in most of those churches. And you think about the work that needs to be done, you know. It, it's just, um, to me, it's just a, a wonderful thing to be a part of it. But then you realize how much more needs to be done. And uh, he, he goes on and says, we heartily appreciate that. And you may, uh, he says, bear with me for asking. He said, but I'm requesting again for at least 40 Nibdeli Bibles uh, for those that are in some areas that cannot speak Shona and they prefer Nebdeli. So we, we're dealing with Shona, Venda, and Nebdeli there uh, in, the, in that part of the world. So there's three main languages plus English uh, that, that they use in Zimbabwe and the northern borders of South Africa. So we have translation teams now that are working very hard to get messages in print, and we've done some church-age books in Shona and Venda. And uh, now these uh, Bibles certainly are in request because they, they can't, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're almost impossible to get where they are. So they had to be purchased in another place and then brought to them. And uh, that's, what's, that's what they're referring to. And uh, he said, your support is very effective and much appreciated. May God bless you uh, for supporting us here in the rurals. Let me tell you, God loves the people in the rurals. God loves the people in the city. Do you believe that? Uh, God loves all of his people and he knows exactly where they are. So uh, we're, we're glad to do what we can to help. And I just, you know, when I read these reports and I see these pictures and, uh, you know, here are things that are being done and then the request for more uh, like that, I just, I'd love to be able to do even much more uh, for those people there. Uh, we didn't mention this morning, Sister Doris Reynolds is uh, traveling. Uh, she's like the wind, uh, goeth wheresoever she will. 
Uh, she has family just all over the country, and that's, uh, she, she's just energetic and traveling, so uh, she's away today. Uh, the Ashdowns, I didn't mention uh, last week, but the Ashdown family, except Brother Jason, is here. We're hoping they get back to look after Brother Jason. Uh, he's just kind of been wandering around, going from house to house looking for meals, and, but we're, um, we miss them for sure. We want to remember Sister uh, Erica, Brother uh, Donnie Reagan's daughter, uh, still in, uh, in need of prayer, in need of, uh, from a touch from the Lord, and also Brother Andrew Boy Scout, who is from, Anch- or is from uh, uh, the villages in Alaska, and uh, his daughter was in a serious accident, a rollover, and uh, probably in an ATV, and uh, wound up uh, fracturing her spine in two different places and uh, is in extreme pain. They couldn't give her enough pain medication to keep her sedated. And today, in Anchorage, they're uh, going to be operating on her and trying to uh, get things fused together. But it's a pretty serious situation. She's not a believer. Uh, They've had a couple of other tragedies that that have affected their family. So uh, Brother Andrew is really reaching out for prayer uh, today. And I told told him that we sure will. Remember them. Brother John gave me a request as well for a friend of his. His wife uh, has stage four pancreatic cancer. And John, I didn't get the, the full name. Is Murray? Is the last name? O. Murray. Okay, all right. Uh, and they were asking for prayer as well. Pancreatic cancer is certainly a serious thing. And uh, we want to remember that in prayer. If you don't mind, let's stand to our feet this morning and uh, let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 10, Spirit and Truth, let's proceed just a little bit further. I'm not trying to run a marathon here with these titles, but uh, I just can't get it all out. And uh, no garbage cans today, no bags of dirt. Uh, we did that last Sunday. You can look at the video, but let's, let's carry on with that thought, all right? So for those of you who were here last Sunday, Hebrews chapter 10. Before we read, let's, if you don't mind, let's address him again this morning. Lord Jesus, we just want to say that we are totally dependent on you today, trusting, Lord, in your guidance and your leadership. Father, I have prepared this PowerPoint, and we have notes and thoughts, Lord, but those are trivial compared to what you would have to say to us. So, Lord, may you just come now and speak to the hearts of your children, and, Lord, may in turn... We worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth, because that's what you seek for this day. And Lord, we ask now that you would anoint the reading of the word in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read from verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Knowing all of these things that we just read, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and the good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. May God bless the reading of his word, and you may be seated. 
this morning. Now we've talked a little about this uh, scripture verse here, and this is the thing that is the desire of God, that he would have people who would worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, in, the, in the end, it must be, uh, in a sense, a bittersweet uh, moment for the Lord himself to look at our world and see uh, how much it has rejected God and rejected his word, rejecting uh, the best message that has ever been sent since the beginning of time. I believe it, I believe it truly is. This is the only, hey, this is the only message that God recorded everything the prophet said. Right? Now, folks, I'm, I don't, I don't want to, let me say this once and let me say it at the beginning here. I don't want to preach in a vacuum here this morning because we're all in this together. You're half the gift, so have at it and operate your half, okay? We'll just see what the Lord will do. <clears throat> this, to me, is the one message in, in the history of time where God recorded everything that was said. He didn't leave out certain sermons or certain sections of a prophet's ministry. He recorded everything that was said and allowed the bride in the last day to get it all. Get it all firsthand. I think we're blessed. And when, when, you, look at, when you think about how God must look at this world and how uh, the world has rejected it, but even the churches have put him outside, so he's outside knocking, it must be disappointing for God to have saved the best to last and have the last rejected. But it must be sweet also for him to look down and see a group of people that no matter what, you can't shake them away from it because there's something birthed on the inside that has a holding power that keeps these people on track, in line, and full of expectation for what is about to happen. Despite the dangers and despite the troubles and despite the circumstances, and like the girl sang this morning, you know, when, when the world is full of trouble, yet he's our, he's our peace giver. Uh, he's, our, he's our savior. He's our leader and our guide. He's our comforter, no matter what the circumstances in the world are like. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, you know, even it's amazing when the world even signals the fact that, that there's potential danger out there and trouble out there. It's amazing. To me, it's alarming that, uh, that the world is, is uh, you know, putting their hand up or ra- waving the flag and saying, hey, there's danger ahead. You better be careful where we go from here. It's one thing for us to do that. We've been doing that for a long time. A prophet's been doing that for a long time. And we still continue to wave the flag and say, hey, love not the world nor the things in the world. But it's a different thing when the world waves the flag and says, hey, beware. The, uh, the, the guy who was uh, one of the former Google uh, technicians who uh, left Google and became the uh, author of Chat GPT, is it GPT? That's, that's a little too close to chat HBT, and I, I don't want to start something here. But either way, I, and sometimes I get that mixed up in my mind. He was in front of Congress this week and was actually asking for legislation to control this whole realm of AI in our world because he said the potential for misuse is real, and if it's misused, he said it's really going to be misused. And, and I mean, it was alarming because they kept playing that uh, clip over and over where he was actually asking for government intervention to control and put legislation in place. Somebody get their arms around this thing and put boundaries there because it's limitless as to where this is all going to go. And they don't know where it's going to go. And they realize that the potential for danger and the potential for wrongdoing and the potential for manipulation is there 
so that, uh, you know, this thing can really get out of hand really fast in a really bad way. And you know what? We don't want that. Because you talk about uh, what we once knew as fake news. Now we're looking even at fake sermons. Because they can make Brother Branham sound just like Brother Branham. And if you get a particular bent in doctrine, it's amazing. This is a, this is, these are conversations that are already being had. And let alone te- in technology and in education and in medicine and everything else. And obviously there are some good things about it. But the, the, the owners themselves, the inventors themselves, are actually waving the flag saying, hey, this, this is something we need to be careful about. It's also incredible how at this uh, last week, uh, one of the major medical organizations in our country who are a, a leading uh, leading body of experts in this particular area of medicine and, uh, and, uh, and ther- therapy and so forth are actually asking for something like an, a test to be given for kids who are entering the world of social media. They're calling for, probably won't happen, but they're calling for a training that families can go through before kids launch out on the social media. Because they say they need to be aware of the dangers and they need to be aware of the traps and they need to be aware of how subtly things can happen that pull them into channels that they should not be in. And so it's an education program that they're, that they're attempting to devise and implement to make it mandatory for children and families to go through this before kids get their own social media accounts. You have to actually go. Now listen, folks, that's not me. And that's not Brother Branham saying that. That's people out in the world. These are worldly medical people who are saying this is this needs to be done because it's it's so potentially destructive uh, in the in the minds and hearts of children uh, that if we don't if we don't put some controls or boundaries around this, it's really going to be messy. If I haven't ruined your day already, let me go one more step and say uh, that this whole idea of a debt ceiling in our country here and what the government is doing about it and uh, all the political ramifications of it, and you may dismiss that and say, you know what, they'll get it done. I mean, America will always go on and uh, we'll we'll eventually have money. We keep writing checks. And, uh, you know, essentially that is the problem. We just keep writing checks. And there is going to come, according to the message now, there is not, and this is not uh, the uh, politician saying this, but this is a prophet who says this, there's going to come a payday. And it's going to, it is a very real thing that this world's going to have to deal with. And you and I and everybody else are going to be affected by uh, this, this scenario that we're moving into. Hey, they may get it fixed this year. They may put a big Band-Aid, and it's a great big Band-Aid, over the top of this, but it is only a Band-Aid over the top of it. Because now there's a lot of things coming due. All the money that people received during the pandemic, and all the RVs that people bought, and all those fancy trucks that people bought, and now all of that revenue is beginning to slow down and dry up. And now uh, things, are, things are changing. There's a bit of a payback now. But that's only minor compared to the big picture. And there are some very smart people who are very concerned about where this nation is moving. And the problem is, is that we've always seen politicians uh, fix it. You know, they, uh, they, we just keep going on. We just keep rolling on. And I will tell you that in a, in, in a real sense, and I'm just trying to be honest with you, they're not fixing it. They're kicking that great big can down the road. 
And, and I, would, I would love, matter of fact, I, I was thinking this morning, I ought to do it and get some of our, uh, our, our great minds together that are knowledgeable about these things, are nodding their heads here at me this morning, uh, and, and discuss that a little bit, because I, I think it's nice to have a real awareness of how that trickles down to us. They, uh, there, there's lots of different pieces of that puzzle, but I will tell you, it will directly affect uh, everyone who lives in the United States, that's for sure. But that's what Brother Bram said. That's what Brother Branham said. So we live in a time where, uh, you know, the adherence to the Word of God and obedience to the Word of God and, and uh, you know, constantly, constantly walking with Him and, and abiding with Him in, in the vine is a really, really important thing. And I should, I mean, I don't have to tell you that. You know that. Living with Christ, walking with Christ every day, reaching out, making sure that He's very close is a very important thing for you to do. I should not have to stand here and encourage any of you to go to church. I should not. If, if you don't know that you should go to church by now, uh, let me know. See me in the office afterwards, all right, and we can talk. But, hey, listen, that's, that's a fundamental part of our experience is being a part of a local body and, uh, you know, uh, hearing the Word of God on a regular basis and because faith comes by hearing. And, and those, are, those are simple things. But some people still, uh, did, they don't get it. They don't see the flags that are being waved and the red lights that are flashing in our time. And here's Brother Branham in 1963 talking about the flashing red lights in, 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 the, in the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And so we're here. We've arrived now when these things are taking place. And we've been taught. We've been sitting in the presence of the Son for a long time and ripening and maturing. And God has done that for a reason because we're moving into what I believe is going to be troubled waters. We don't know really what form all of that's going to take. And we don't know how soon God will cut it off and take us out of here. But I will tell you this. I want to do everything I can to be ready for that moment whenever it takes place. Because I'm not allowed to know exactly when. But I'm allowed to know exactly what God wants us to know because he's a revealer. And we have an enemy, and an enemy that, an enemy that tries to continually distract us and divert us and tempt us and uh, pull us away. New doctrines that arise, new teachings that arise, groups that arise, people that are uncertain about their experience with God. Hey, I, 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 to me, I want to jump in with both feet and do everything I can to make the people of God as solid and as confident in their, about their experience as I can and to encourage you in the faith because I will tell you, that's what, we're, that's what we need today and that's what we need going forward. I want to do everything I can to encourage you and uh, to be able to, to follow the leading of the Lord in doing that. I'm not here to be your best friend, but I'm here to be your pastor. And a pastor is one who guards the flock, but leads the flock at the same time. All right. Now, in the Church Age book, Brother Manna makes this pretty blunt statement here. And he's talking about nominal churches. And he says, now, they have no idea, he said, how to approach God and how to worship God. We've come to the place where... He says they have no idea how to do this. And he said, Jesus said that true worship was in spirit and in truth, John 4. But what kind of worship can you get in a church that knows so little of God that it puts up a Santa Claus at Christmas and bunnies at Easter? Where do you get that? He said they get it from the pagans and made it a part of church doctrine. But when one turns to the Lord and is filled with the Holy Ghost, he ceases from all such things. He has a rest in his soul, and he really begins to live and love God and worship him. I like that. I like that. And I'm, I like it so much, I'm going to read it again. But when one turns to the Lord, how many people do we have that have truly turned to the Lord? 
and is filled with the Holy Ghost, he ceases from all such things. He has a rest in his soul and he really begins to live and love God and to worship him. That's what God wants. He wants people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And Brother Branham said now, uh, the token, he said, that's a cutting message. He said, but it's the truth. That's what we need is truth. God, help us to know truth. And he says, I claim that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that God gives the Holy Ghost as a token right now, just before the exodus of the bride going out of the church. Aren't you glad for that? I believe, he said, that God gives the Holy Ghost as a token. That's the life of Christ that was poured out. It was kinosed. It was poured out. All that God was, he poured into Christ. And all that Christ had, he poured into the, into the church. He said, I believe that God gives the Holy Ghost as a token right now, just before the exodus, the going out of the bride, uh, out of the church and going into the kingdom where she belongs. I believe that Brother Branham is, is exactly right. And he said, that's what we need is the truth. So we need to, we need to make sure we come back to Bible truth. Not what everybody's doing. Uh, not what, not what uh, winds of doctrine are blowing around different places here. Uh, God doesn't want to be twisted and, and uh, kicked around by that. I believe we need to come back to truth. Are you with me? All right. Brother Branham says in the same sermon, he said, now I believe there's so much tummy rot and people saying that they shouted and spoke in tongues. I believe in those things, but you can't rely on that as the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me just add that little part. He said, I, I believe in those things. And we do believe in those things because they all are manifestations of the Spirit. Brother Branham confronted the Pentecostal people uh, in, in the churches he visited and even in his own church to, to correct the error that they believed that, uh, you know, they, they, uh, that speaking in tongues was the definitive evidence of having the Holy Spirit. You can imagine now, Brother Branham, in the 1950s, and I read some really interesting statements where, you know, he apologized. And he said, I don't mean to confront you. He said, you're the people that have opened your doors to me. And he said, you believe in the supernatural, you believe in divine healing, and you believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And there was many things that they got right. There was many things that they believed. And he was unashamed to be identified with them. But he said, there's a part in here. There's a part in here that I got to correct. And he said, I got to correct it by the word. And you're believing that uh, if somebody speaks in tongues, then you know they've got it. And, and there's no question about that. He said, there is a question about that. And he said, I'm here to, to, to bring you a contrasting view of that. And I'm bringing it from the scripture. And that did not endear Brother Branham to the Pentecostal people. That did, not make him, uh, that did not make them embrace Brother Branham because it was a fundamental thing that uh, they held on. It was a tenet that they, they held up as something unique about the Pentecostal faith. And so therefore they pushed back on, on having Brother Branham among them, even though there were so many things that Brother Branham could have helped him with. And he says now, I, I believe that there is so much of that. And he said, but I believe in those things, but you can't rely on that. And how can you rely on that and then deny the word? He said the token is the word identified in you living itself out. And that's, being, that's God being his own interpreter. And he interprets your life by the word. He interprets your life by the word. So look at what he's saying now. How can you rely on that and then deny the word? How can you, how can you claim that if somebody speaks in tongues that they've got the Holy Ghost and then the Holy Ghost who wrote the Bible, uh, you know, something is said out of the Bible here and they'll turn around and say, no, we don't believe that. I mean, that's inconsistent, right? That, that's a disconnect. Be, somehow or another, you got the same Holy Spirit that wrote this and you're in disagreement with this. That's a disconnect. 
If, if I've got the Holy Ghost who wrote this, then if something is revealed from the word, something in me has got to say amen to that. Otherwise, we have a disconnect. And God does not want you to be disconnected from his word because his word is truth. This is Christ in print. Isn't that right? And, and so therefore, God wants us to be absolutely in tune with that. And uh, just because there's a manifestation of a gift doesn't mean that they have it. Uh, he said, believing the word for your day is and always has been the true evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, he said, it's a token is the word identified in you and living itself out. One thing about the token is for sure that when it was first instituted in the first exodus, when the children of Israel were going out, everyone could see it. Let me say it again. <clears throat> There's one thing that's true about the token when it was first applied, when, Egypt, when Israel went out of Egypt. That when the token was applied, everybody could see it. And it was most important that the death angel saw it. Right? That's why they put it out there. But also, everybody else could see it. You could walk down the street and you could see who had the token applied. The token was not meant to be an invisible, mental thing uh, that just somebody assumed that they had it. It was visible. It was obvious. I don't believe the token today is any different than that. I believe you should be able to come among a people and say, whoa, they've got something different on display than every other church that I've been to. They live a life. They, they worship. They, uh, they believe. They act in a way that's different. They've got something on display. They're not ashamed to live the way that uh, they, they profess. They're not ashamed to live in accordance with the Word of God. It's obvious. It's, it's visible. It's not just a mental thing. We're not sitting here trying to be like somebody else. We're not trying to, uh, you know, just act like somebody else or learn the rule book and uh, follow along and, and uh, follow the crowd. That's not it. It's a token. It's the word identified in you living itself out. It's going to be the real thing. Now, <clears throat> one, one quote from last Sunday in God's Power to Transform, and I hope you have taken time to go back and look at that message. Brother Bam said, now, this power of transformation... And we're basing this, he's basing this on Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may approve what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Right? Everybody there? All right. Now, just, just this, these, this two screens here. Okay? And he says, now, this transformation, because this is what God's telling us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said, what does it? How, how does this take place? He said, God does it by the spirit of his word. He transforms. He transforms. Your church doesn't transform you. The young people's group don't transform you. You don't transform you. Brother Branham doesn't transform you. God transforms you. He plants his seed, throws his spirit on it, brings forth the product. Last Sunday, we did that effectively, I think, invisibly in the garbage can, Right? You, you, take the, you take the dirt, throw the seed in, throw the water in, all the elements, and we had ruby with the light, and all of a sudden, there you go. You have a product. Something begins to grow. He plants his seed, throws his spirit on it, brings forth the product. That's a pretty simplified way of describing a new birth and then this, this process of transformation, but that's what he says. He plants the seed, throws his spirit on it, brings forth the product. A lot of things happen in that, uh, in that sentence, right? There's a lot of things that are going on in that sentence there. And he said his Holy Spirit transforms that seed word to be vindicated of its kind. What kind of seed you are shows what's in you. And he says you can't hide it. Whatever you are on the inside shows what you are on the outside. 
You can't make that tree anything but what it is. It's going to be that way. And the Holy Spirit transforms that seed on the inside of it. No matter what kind of a seed it is, it's going to bring, bring forth the real thing. So in the end of it, we're going to see the real you and the real me before this is all over. You can hide in the church. And I'm not being critical here or uh, accusatory. Uh, you, can, you can be among the believers and act like a believer, sing like a believer, you know, clap your hands like a believer and uh, have all the bump, believer bumper stickers and everything else. You can do that. Attend all the right camps. But in the end of it, there's going to be a place for you that there's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a disagreement with the word. There's going to be a place that diverts off that path because only the elect will make it all the way through. I mean, that's, that's the promise that we have. That's the truth. And so therefore, Brother Bram said, whatever that seed is, it's going to come forth. Last sentence, when the seed comes up, it comes through that thinking man's filter and it produces a son or a daughter of God. And that's what the husbandman is after, real sons and daughters of God. Isn't that all right? That's good. That's what God's after and he knows exactly how to sow that and uh, he knows exactly how to produce that. And he knows how to take you as a seed of God, as a child of God. He knows how to take you through everything that lays in your path. He knows how to guide you, and he knows how to counsel you. He knows how to correct you. He knows how to get you back on track. He knows all of that. <clears throat> now, in our, in our text here, we read that uh, he, is, he is one who has encouraged us to come to him with boldness and enter into that Enter into that place where we can appeal to God. In verse 22 it says, And let us draw near with a true heart or full assurance of faith. Stop now. There's a danger. Right up there with temptations and, uh, and, and uh, problems that we face in life, major problems that we fa face in life, one of the things that Satan is deadly with is stealing your assurance. Stealing or, or attempting to uh, corrupt your confidence in God. He's, he's deadly when it comes to, and I will say this, that I believe every single Christian goes through this, myself included. Every single Christian goes through periods where we doubt, are we really saved? Do we really have it? And, and it's, it's not, that's, listen, don't feel bad if you have ever felt bad about that. Because the devil would, would necessarily need to attack every one of us in his program because uh, if we lose that assurance and we lose that confidence, let me tell you, you're not going to appeal to God the way you should. You're not going to reach out to God the way that you should. If you're doubting your relationship with God, if you're doubting your connection with God, if you're doubting your salvation, you're going to feel like, well, maybe I don't have it. And, you know, I haven't heard from God. And maybe I, maybe I shouldn't take communion and foot washing. And maybe I, maybe I have no right to come to God and ask him for this. And maybe God's forgotten me. And maybe God's dropped me in the whole scheme of things. And every Christian thinks thoughts like that. Come on, look at me and somebody say amen here. It's all right to say amen because I believe this affects every one of us. And you think sometimes, well, you know, I, I, maybe I'm not as confident as I once was. And uh, started off with a good, good momentum, but now maybe I'm not as confident as I was. And, and it's the devil's job to make you feel that way. And I'm here to tell you that it's the Holy Spirit's job to make sure you understand that's a lie. 
And there's lots and lots of scriptures that relate to this and, and deal with this. And I want to I just park here just for a moment, if you don't mind. <clears throat> Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews now, as I read, he said, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And full assurance in the scripture, the New Testament, it literally means this, the most certain confidence. In Hebrews chapter 10, he says, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. That's a most certain confidence that you have. And having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So God wants you to, uh, because he knows you're going to go through things, he wants you to draw near to him, but he wants you to draw near with a full assurance of faith. He wants you to make sure you have a most certain confidence that you know what, he is not, <clears throat> God is not looking to me to be perfect every single day. In my own actions and in my own intentions, <clears throat> I would love to be more perfect than I am, but I do make mistakes. And the fact that I make mistakes doesn't take away eternal life. The fact that I make mistakes doesn't take away eternal life. And he wants us to know that the promises that he gives to us, just like he, he dealt with Jonah, you know, or other people we find in the Old Testament there, that when they made mistakes, God doesn't say, hey, do you know how much time I've invested in you? I, I'm sorry, I'm not going back. That's it. It's over. I gave you a chance and it's over. God doesn't do that. God never gave up on David and God never gave up on Jonah and God never gave up on any of those people that messed it up big time in the Old Testament. And we have a more, more perfect offering that has been made on our behalf in the New Testament, let me tell you, God doesn't give up on us because of our mistakes. He loves us, and he wants us to come with a full assurance of faith. He doesn't say, I want you to come with a perfect slate of attendance in the church. He doesn't say, I want you to come with your record clean and never having made a mistake or thought a bad thought. He doesn't say that. He said, I want you to come and have faith in God. I want you to have a most certain confidence that our God is faithful and true. His word is right. The Bible is right. The message is right. And you know what? <clears throat> the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And my sins have been removed from, from me as far as the east is from the west. And there is no more remembrance of sin against me ever again. And I've truly placed it under the blood. And I believe that by God's grace there's something growing in me that uh, is, is really the real me. And one day that real me will step into the real body that's waiting for me on the other side. Hey, in, the, in that process I'm going to make mistakes. And in that process I'm going to mess up. But that does not make God's word wrong. God's word is still true. <clears throat> so he says, let us hold fast that profession of our faith without wavering. He is faithful at promise. And this is the, uh, the essence of what Paul wants to say to us here. Now, <clears throat> Jesus gives us the illustration here of the field and how he said, this, the field is the world. And he says, the Son of Man has sown seeds in that field. But while they slept, another one came and sowed another kind of seed in there. So all of a sudden in the right field with the right seed, there's wrong seed that's growing up there. Put yourself in this field. Put yourself as the field. Because Satan is trying to sow wrong seeds all the time in our thinking. Isn't that right? Now remember now, he can't take away your eternal life. He can't, he can't take away what God has, has given you. He cannot do that. But he can try to sow other seeds in there that are different from what God has sown in there. And, and you can tell as it begins to grow, not in, the, not in the initial stages, but as it grows, you can tell this is different. This is something that doesn't belong. 
And when the disciples said, well, you know, should we get in there and, and rip it all out? God says, nope. He says, leave it alone until the harvest. In the harvest, I'll separate it all. Because God knows his own. And that's the assurance that we have that God knows his own. And every one of his own are going to be there. Uh, they're, going to, they're going to be in the right place at the right time. They're going to be gathered in the right, uh, right garner when all of this is over. So Brother Branham says, now, if God promises, and here's what you need to know. If God promises... God will keep his word. Say it with me. God will keep his word. Say it again. God will keep his word. If God promised it, God's going to keep his word. If God promised to heal you, he'll do it. If God promised to give you the Holy Ghost, he'll do it. You just come, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and believe him and watch what happens. He said you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost because God's obligated to his word. And he cannot take his word back. Say that with me. He cannot take his word back. God cannot make a promise to you and then take it back and say, no, I don't mean it, or you didn't live up to it. Hey, which one of us lives up to the right of the promises of God? Which one of us has our behavior so perfect that God would say, hey, listen, you, you get it, but those over here don't do that. Hey, listen, we, we are dependent on the fact that God's obligated to his word and he cannot take his word back. He's got to keep his word in order to be God. He has to. He has to. And here's a prophet reinstating that and Paul doing exactly the same thing. It, it's, it's God's word. He's obligated to it. He would not say it and then take it back. Therefore, if God promises it, God will keep his word. Hebrews 6, again, Paul says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. We desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. I love that, I love that verse. That we, Paul says that, that we desire that you show the same energy, the same diligence, the same desire to come to the end of the road here. Because it's, it's at the end where uh, this division is made. It's at the end where uh, God gathers his people in. God does not want you to start well uh, and, uh, you know, uh, have, the, have the initial burst here. He wants you to carry on. It's, it's in our continuance is our reward. It's in our patience do we, uh, do we receive the prize. All of that uh, is, is what Paul is praying that we would have. That same diligence to the full assurance and hope to the end. It's easy to become slothful, as you know, and, and followers, but, but he says, but rather be followers of them through faith and patience that they would inherit the promise. <clears throat> now bear with me just for a little bit. The same day at evening, this is after Jesus has died, risen, the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said unto them, you got to hand it to these folks. They're in a place where they have absolutely no idea what's next. They have no idea what's coming. They did not expect to be where they are. They did not expect to be in the position they're in, where all of a sudden Jesus making all of these promises 
making claims about who he was, teaching like he did, and then being killed. I mean, that's a pretty extraordinary thing. It's pretty unexplainable. If you, if you had lived in that day, you, you, would, you, would, uh, <laughs> you would appreciate those disciples because they had no idea. They didn't, they didn't turn and run because they knew they had nowhere to run. There was nothing comparable to this. But they're naturally afraid. And they stop, they hide behind these closed doors, and they're waiting. When Jesus appears, and you know the scripture here, he appears, he says, peace be unto them. It's one of the most common phrases in the New Testament because God has to say that because many times we are uncertain and fearful about what it is that's taking place or what's coming. So he says to them, peace be unto you, and speaks to them. But then it says in verse 21, and then the Jesus said to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. And he said unto them, receive you the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them. That's interesting. I, I, was, I was thinking about that this week, and I looked at another place. I was trying to find all the places where God breathed on somebody. And said to them, receive the Holy Ghost, and how this was connected to, to things. And in Genesis chapter 2, this is the first place where God breathed. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Obviously, the breathing, the breath of God is a symbol of some life-giving force. God gave that to Adam, and Adam became alive. Matter of fact, Brother Branham describes it this way. There's many places where he says this, but watch what he says here in questions and answers on Genesis. He said, let's, let's look at it this way. And he says, I have many pictures in my mind. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I was reading around this quote. And he said, here's Adam standing there like a tree. He was dead, kind of motionless. He got his toes in the dirt. He said, like roots sticking in the ground. And God, he said, came along and breathed in him, breathed the breath of life into him. And he jumped. And he came to himself. He became a living soul. And now he began to move on. Now movement began. Now there was, there was life. There was, there was uh, all of a sudden now there's activity, right? And act, that, that life comes as a result of God breathing. Life comes, there's a change comes when God breathes the breath of life. And, and I will tell you that when God breathes the breath of life in somebody, they're, they're, they're wanting to move. They're not, they're not going to be sitting there like a, uh, you know, a bump on a log or a log, they're going to be, <laughs> they're going to be wanting to move. They're, they've got life now. They've got freedom. They've got liberty now. Because where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty, right? And so Adam now responded to the breath of God. Well, you would think, wow, such a common thing. You'd find it all through the Bible, but you don't. Here's the only other place in the Old Testament where it's mentioned. And that is Ezekiel prophesying to the dry bones. And as, they, as the scripture tells the story of Ezekiel walking and looking and seeing all these bones on the ground and, and this great valley that he's in, it says in verse 9, Then he said unto me, Prophesy to the wind and prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. What's he doing? He's prophesying, isn't he? Is that okay? He's prophesying. So in other words, he's not looking at that in that day, but he's looking at a day when the valley will be full of dead bones. 
And it'll be a people who are dead spiritually, dead. They might be alive on the earth physically, but they're dead spiritually. But one day, one day, Ezekiel is prophesying, there's going to come a wind, a mighty wind of God, and it will blow, it'll breathe on those people, and those bones will begin to move. Those bones will come back to life again. Oh, I pray that God would breathe that breath of life in the, in the, some of us here. Some of you know I have a real zeal of God, but some people need to have that experience of receiving the breath of God and, and making them move now, move in the right direction. I want to be, I, I may not be moving as fast as I used to move, and I might not be moving as fast as I would like to move, but I want to be moving in the right direction. And I believe it's the Spirit of God breathed into you that moves you in the right direction. I believe the Spirit of God will move you in the direction of repentance if you need to make something right. It'll move, make you move to the cross uh, if you have a need of healing because by His stripes we are healed. The Spirit of God is going to move you in the right direction all the time. I pray that God would move among us. I pray that God would breathe into the, uh, the nostrils of uh, some of our young people here that not just have a, a group experience, like a camp experience, although I don't want you to ever get the, the feeling that I'm against that. I'm not against that. I believe that uh, it, many times God creates an atmosphere into which he can move and do supernatural things. And, and, and he can do it, but you should not reserve it just for a camp. I believe that God can do it on a Wednesday night. I believe that God can do it in a little gathering of his people. It doesn't require a certain grounds or a certain building. You know what it requires? Two or three that are gathered in his name. And he says, there I'll be. And when God moves and God breathes, let me tell you, people are going to be affected by that. And that's what the prophecy is. That's what the symbol is very clearly. So in John chapter 20, when Jesus comes back, he says to them, now, hey, we're on the verge of something wonderful here. And he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, and he says, beware of dogs and beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And these are things that people say derogatory, derogatorily about believers. You're not Jews, therefore you're not uh, circumcised. You're, you're the people, uh, you're the other people, if you like. And there was a lot of derogatory things that were said about Christians because now here they are claiming the covenant, claiming the right to access to God, claiming to be justified, freed from their sins, but they have not offered literal sacrifices. You know, who are you? And they call them the concision, and the concision is a, uh, is a, is a nasty word, if you like. It's a, it's a criticism. It's a, uh, a slang word for that particular time. But Paul says, this is what he affirms to the people, for we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in, in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I want you to know that we are the people of God. He says they call us different things. They call, uh, they try to sow wrong things among us and they try to bring different teachings among us. But he said, I need you to know we are the circumcision. We are the people of the covenant today. We're under a covenant of grace. It's different than the Old Testament, but we are a people who are under the covenant. And he said, we worship God in the spirit. We don't worship people, God according to the law. We don't worship God according to the letter. We're not trying to be like Pharisees and scribes. We are trying to worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus because he's our savior. He's our our Redeemer. He's our, he's the one who bled and died for us. 
And the Spirit of God leads us back to the cross. It leads us back to the Word. It leads us back to the things that uh, directly come from God. And we have no confidence in our flesh having performed the law or our flesh being circumcised or our flesh being, I'm a son of uh, so-and-so, son of so-and-so, grandson of so-and-so. That's not where my confidence lays. I'm I'm not believing that I'm a member of the bride because my father was a believer or my grandfather was or I'm related to Brother Branham somehow. Hey, listen, Paul is saying, away with that. We are the people that worship God in spirit and in truth. I love John Wesley's commentary on this verse. He says, this is written by John Wesley in his journals. He said, we, for we Christians are the only true circumcision. He said, the people now in covenant with God who worship God in spirit, not barely in the letter, but with the spiritual worship of inward holiness. Somebody ought to say amen. We can worship God out of a pure heart. We can worship God with full assurance. We can worship God uh, with, with a real sanctified spirit. He says, in glory in Christ Jesus as the only cause of our blessings. We realize that Jesus Christ is the only cause of our blessing. And we give him glory. We give him honor. And he said, we have no confidence in the flesh as any outward advantage. It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter whether I'm the only one in my family. It doesn't matter whether I've ever been to Jeffersonville. That doesn't matter. What matters is what Christ has done for me. And Paul says, we keep that in the forefront. And he says, we are the people that worship God. He says, we are the people of the cup. Don't let people drag you down with things that they say. Now, again, let me divert just for a moment and answer a question here. Brother Branham, dear Brother Branham, what is the difference when Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost, and then when they had to go up to the upper room to tarry? What's the difference here? Brother Branham, I love how he answers this. It was a promise he gave them and breathed upon them his promise, receive ye the Holy Ghost. This is what's going to happen. The Holy Ghost is going to come, and when he fills you, you're going to move. In the same way that Adam moved physically, you're going to move spiritually. And he says it was a promise. And they went to the upper room and wait for the promise to be fulfilled. The same thing as when we lay hands upon you to be healed. Then you go about your business waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. We don't say to God, I want, I want to, I'm coming to the altar and I want to be prayed for and I'd like to be healed on the same moment that somebody lays hands on me. We don't do that. We come and present our need to God. Isn't that right? And we just say, Lord, I, I, I don't have an answer. Doctors don't have an answer. I've done everything I know to do. And Lord, here I come. And I'm just depending on your, your mercies because uh, by your stripes we are healed. And I'm just believing that you're still a healer today the same as you ever were. And Brother Bram said we do that. We go through the process, laying hands on somebody, anointing somebody with oil. He says, and you go on your business waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. Not that we forget, but we go on our way believing that he's a healer today the same as he ever was. Come on. He's he's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed at all. And Lord, I put this at your feet. I've, I've done what you told me to do to cast my cares upon you. And I'm trusting you now for the future. And I'm laying it right here. I'm doing the thing in faith that you want me to do. I'm laying this right at your feet here. Watch what he says. He goes on and he says, now, people say, well, let's have a tarrying meeting. Glory to God. Let's go back and tarry for the Holy Ghost. He says, there's no such thing. There is no such thing. Tarry don't mean pray. Tarry means wait. And Jesus said, wait up in the city of Jerusalem. I don't know what they were doing up there. He said, probably praying. I don't know. But he said they never had to wait after that. 
They never had, after that particular uh, moment, which was, I believe, a symbol uh, that Jesus gave to his disciples. You know, he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Then they went out. He told them, go up into Jerusalem and wait up in that upper room until, uh, he says, you're endued with power from on high. Brother Bram said, but they never had to wait after that. While Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. No waiting, the Holy Ghost was there and gave them the baptism of the Holy Ghost in confirmation of their faith. Whoa. Do you believe that's scripture? Do you believe that's, that's true? I mean, these are Brother Bram's words, but he's quoting scripture here. <clears throat> now let me give you a couple of quick statements here. Then I want you to turn in the Bible with me. Brother Bram said last night, we have so, he said, I said last night, we have so much of the mechanics and not the dynamics. He said, my body is the mechanics, but my spirit, my body will not operate without the dynamics, the spirit. When they have somebody on life support, they're looking to see if somebody is, like if their brain is still functioning, if there's any responses there. Because there's an intelligence in our bodies that makes everything work, right? Getting signals, getting responses and so forth, and <clears throat> they'll take that out when that, when that life departs. Now, Brother Sam is here today, and I thought about you this week, Brother Sam, and I was going to bring my chainsaw here this morning, and I, I just thought you'd think I was too dramatic if I brought in a chainsaw here in the church. But I was going to bring my chainsaw in and take all the gas out of it and uh, have Brother Sam inspect it and try to start it. And you know what? It's a great chainsaw. It works really great. And it's fairly new. And uh, it's, it's got all the mechanics in it that, uh, that are all set up just perfectly right. And I don't think you could make it physically run any better than what you, what, the, what, the shape that it's in now. But it does require the fuel. It does require the gas. It requires that, that stimulant that's going to get it all going. And you can have the most perfect chainsaw or the most perfect car is what Brother Bram's talking about here. You can have the most perfect machine. But if it doesn't have the fuel, if it doesn't have that which ignites and fires those cylinders, you're not going to go anywhere. You're absolutely not going to go anywhere. And Brother Branham said, we have a lot of the mechanics. Now, you've got to realize, in, in his day, here in 1963, the church is growing. And it's growing partly because of TV evangelism. Right? This is the age of Richard Roberts and Oral Roberts. And they're, uh, you know, they're, they're growing and expanding their audiences. And lots and lots of more people are involved. Therefore, we've got lots and lots of more money. We've got lots and lots of more promotion going on. Lots of more people becoming popular. And he said, it, it's growing. This structure of the church is actually growing. And he says, you can have all of that. But he said, without that dynamics, which is the spirit, without that, you're not going to go anywhere. You got a nice looking building, just like you'd have a nice looking car or a chainsaw, but it ain't going anywhere. I don't want to be not going anywhere at this particular point. I want to be moving in the spirit. I want to be, I want to be moving in the direction that God wants me to move in. And he said, the spirit operates my body, brings it in control. He said, like an automobile with no gas, no firing power, no matter how fine it is. And he goes, he goes on down through it. He said, he said, it's got to have, you can have all of the physical part, but it's got to have the current also. It's got to have the power. And he says, it's got to take those together. Watch what he says. Very simple. And that's the way God is. It's got to get a believer with God and make the contact. And then something's going to happen. 
you got to get a believer in contact with God. And then something's going to happen. I don't know about you, but if you're, if, you're, if you're in a spot where you're praying for someone to be converted, if you're praying that your son or daughter who's here would, would really have an experience with God, <clears throat> it doesn't take a particular evangelist or a particular day of the week, a certain kind of sermon even. You know what it takes is that that, that person, that sinner, comes in contact with the living God. And that can happen in a lot of different places, a lot of different environments. You should never restrict yourself to one particular environment where that's got to happen. It can happen wherever God decides. But when that heart is thirsty and that heart wants to meet God and wants to have something more, wants to have that thirst satisfying, let me tell you, and they come in contact with the living God. And you know what? You've got mechanics and dynamics. We're going to have action. And you should be if, if you're praying for somebody, you parents that are here, grandparents are praying for, uh, you know, somebody to really have an experience with, uh, with God, a real true birth, then you want, you want to pray that the Spirit of God would be welcome to move in our midst here and that our young people would recognize that enough and step out enough in faith to come in contact with that as he passes by and then watch what takes place as a result of that. I don't want you to limit yourself to just to thinking about old, young people. I believe any one of us, maybe who have, uh, you know, we, we've been around church, but, you know, it, it, what, what a great thing it would be for somebody who, who struggles and, and comes in contact with the living God. Let me tell you, God's got the answer to everything you're going through. God's got the, God's got the, he's got the resources. He's got the firing power. He's got the keeping power. He's got the healing power. He's got the resurrection power. He's got the revelation power. He's got all the power that we have need of. You got to come in contact with him. It's not standing afar off and looking at the message and observing everybody in it or criticizing everybody in it. It's coming in contact with God. And I say, may God help us to move everything else, everything else aside and just draw close to him or create an atmosphere into which he is welcome that we can come close to him and let him supply everything that you have need of. It's it, Brother Bam's spirit, very clear. It's God. He said, get a believer in, in contact with God. Make that contact. He said, and something's going to happen. It can look great. We can run a great service. We can have a great crowd. We can have a great dinner. We can have all the other things that are required for the mechanical part. But if we don't have the gasoline, if we don't have the dunamis, let me tell you, we have nothing. We walk away with nothing. And I don't want to expend my life and my energy and yours as well and your time and resources over nothing. I want to have something that makes me move in the direction of God. I want to have something that makes me move in the right way. And he said something's going to happen when that takes place. And we get into a bind sometimes. We think, well, God's got to do it this way and God's got to do it that way. Well, that's not what Brother Branham said. Here's what Brother Branham said. The apostolic way, God had no set rule. The apostolic way, God had no set rule. When the heart's hungry, he'll give you what you're hungering for. Sometimes it came in a church setting in the, in the book of Acts. Sometimes it came when the, when the Ethiopian eunuch, remember, was driving down the road in a chariot by himself. Wasn't even in church. Take your Bible, if you don't mind. I want you to look in one place. That's all, and then we're going to find a place to close. In the book of Acts, chapter 8. I don't have it on the screen. This is the chapter prior to Saul's conversion. The Bible says, 
In verse 8, verse 5, Acts 8, verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So Philip is just one guy. If you read the previous verses, Philip is moving around because of persecution. He's, he's, he's like many of the other believers who are on the move because of persecution. And when he goes down to Samaria, Samaria, remember, is where the woman at the well lived. And those are people that when she went down and testified of meeting Jesus, they responded favorably, right? No connection with the Jews for 772 years. And now all of a sudden, a woman at the well comes up, talks to Jesus, runs back to town, tells them about Jesus. They all come out of the town and listen to Jesus. And then they say, hey, why don't you stay with us a couple of days? And Jesus camps out with them for two days in Samaria. Huh? Unheard of, right? And so now, a little later, Philip goes down into Samaria, and he says in verse 5, he preached to them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing, seeing the miracles which he did, unclean spirits, Crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many were taken with palsies. Then they that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. One guy, anointed with the Spirit of God, moving around, not because God told him, but because of the persecution. Circumstances have moved Philip out of where he was, and he comes down to Samaria. Revival begins. Then there was a certain man, verse 9, a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. He told everybody he was some great one, had some great power. To whom all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the great power of God. It doesn't say that they, uh, they said this man has the great power of God, this man is the power of God. That's what he actually taught. And if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to believe something. Right? You're going to believe something. And you know what? Nobody else can make the, you know, uh, light bulbs come on, and nobody else can do these other crazy things that this man is doing. And so they believe, well, here's the power of God. That's what they, that's what they are actually believing about Simon. <clears throat> and it says in verse 11, to him they had regard because of the long time that he had bewitched them with sorceries. He'd actually tricked them. But verse 12, then they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, both men and women. Wow. All of a sudden now, God hovers over this area through the ministry of this one man, and things begin to happen. And Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, Beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. This is incredible now that Simon's following him, which must have caused even a greater stir and lots of more people following. Now when the disciples, verse 14, at Jerusalem in the headquarters, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto him Peter and John. Who's got the keys? And when they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. That's how they did it in the book of Acts. I said that's how they did it in the early church. Can I read a little bit further? Peter said in verse 20, he said unto them, 
No, I'm sorry, I skipped a little. Verse 18, and Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, and he offered them money. And he said, give me also this power, that whosoever I lay my hands on, that he may receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. And thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Was he baptized? Probably. Was he a follower of, of, of Philip here? Absolutely. He's a guy who's right in among what's happening. He's right in among what God is doing. He's right in the middle of what's taking place here. But he's got another motive here. He's looking at this. And Peter says uh, to him, repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and so forth. And uh, verse 25, and then when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Here's uh, Peter and John now. They're heading back to Jerusalem, and they're going back preaching these different towns. My goodness, God is doing a great thing. Okay, all right. By that, you can make a couple of assumptions here, and you say, well, in order to get the Holy Ghost, you've got to have Peter. <clears throat> That would be one assumption, but that assumption would be wrong, wouldn't it? Because you know what happens next? Verse 26 says, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip and saying, hey, I need you to go here. Picks him up out of that revival. Brings him down on the side of a road on the way to Egypt. I've been on that road. There's only one. Because the rest of it goes through the Sinai Desert. Now it's littered with old rusting tanks from the Yom Kippur War. And there's tanks all by the side of the road because when they were blown up in the, uh, in the attack by the Israelis, uh, they just bulldozed those tanks off the road and, and uh, they're just laying there as rusted hulks today. Now that's today, not back then. Back then, here's Philip standing by the side of the road and he's just kind of waiting there until he sees dust in the horizon. All of a sudden, a chariot comes down. He stops the chariot. And uh, <clears throat> this person who's an authority of some sort, he's a businessman, and he says, hey, Philip, come on up here. Philip gets up and jumps in the chariot. He looks like a guy who needs a ride. So he jumps up in the chariot. Philip looks over and says, hey, just like the other day I was texting somebody and somebody looked over my phone and said, hey, why are you texting him? I said, is it all right if that's just up to me? <laughs> anyway, I won't tell you who that is, but I, you know him. <clears throat> He looks over and he says, hey, you're reading there in the, in the in Scripture. He's got the Old Testament out because the New Testament's not written. And he's re reading in the New Testament here about, uh, you know, out of the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah, or Philip says, hey, uh, what are you reading? It's, uh, he says, hey. The Ethiopian says, hey, I really don't know because he said this is prophecy and I don't know who he's speaking about. And uh, you know who? Uh, I'd, like, I'd like to have somebody to hold a Bible study that I could figure out who this is. Philip says, well, let me share this. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't get on his phone and text Jerusalem and say, Peter, we need you over here. I can't do anything. We need you over here. So if you don't, if you don't mind, it's a chariot. The license plate is this number. We're heading south. We're going towards Egypt, towards Ethiopia. And if you don't mind, hurry up because I don't know what to say to him and I can't do anything unless you come. Doesn't happen that way, does it? Philip just begins to expound because you know what? He's got the same Holy Ghost that Peter's got. This is not a hierarchy, folks. He's got the same Holy Ghost that Peter's got. And he begins to speak to him, and it so stirs him that he says, oh, man, he says, we just happen to be passing by water. Would it be all right if we got out and got baptized? Because that's that inherently, intuitively, he understands, wow, if I'm going to make this step, if I'm going to accept that Savior, then the first step is water baptism. 
And he says, absolutely. He says, let's go. Stops the chariot, gets out, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, goes on, and God says, and takes Philip, and off he goes. You know what? Peter alone does not have the keys. The same Holy Ghost that was in the book of Acts, the same Holy Ghost that was on the day of Pentecost, that's the same Holy Ghost that we have today. Don't, don't look for God to set a rule. This is how it's got to be. You've got to be this way. You've got to be that way. Hey, here comes Peter off the roof in Jaffa, and he comes up uh, to Simon's house, Simon the Tanner, and, uh, you know, he's waiting up on the roof there, and God gives him the vision of the uh, sheet, all the foods in the sheet. You remember that and all the animals there? And God says, don't you call that impure that I've called pure. And he goes down to, to Cornelius' house there. And you know what? They've all got the Holy Ghost. They've not been baptized yet, but they've all got the Holy Ghost. And Peter says, well, he got the Holy Ghost. How can you refuse to be baptized? And they said, amen, brother, right on. And off they go down by the sea, and they're baptizing them down there. You know what? The, you, know, you know the way that God set this up? There's no set rule. It doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want. But it means you've got to let the Holy Spirit be in control. Because when you got the key, let me tell you, all kinds of things open up to you. Come on, folks. I remember one time in this life story of David Livingston. I loved the story of David Livingston. You remember the story of David Livingston? Great guy. Had the real thing. He was a man of God and a fearless uh, missionary travel around. And, and in the custom of traveling through Africa, in the custom of the day, Whenever, whenever Livingston or any other traveler came to uh, an area where there was a king and he had villages and he had towns underneath him, he would come to the, you would come to the edge of the town and you would wait. You'd wait on the border and you would have that king or that tribal chief come to you and receive you and then you could enter into the area. You couldn't just walk into someone's town like we do today. You had to wait out of respect and have the king receive you, give you permission to come in as he could turn people away and he could accept people to come in. And so David Livingston didn't have much in his entourage and it was, it was accepted, it was practiced that you would give that king a gift and say, I'm coming in uh, to, this, uh, to, to your area. I'd like to be able to come in to visit your town. And so David Livingston didn't have very much. He had some porters, and they carried his bedroll and uh, food and tent and that kind of thing, but he didn't have very much. And so he came uh, to the border, waited for the king to come out, and the king comes out, and he's a well-known king. He's respected in the area, and David Livingston wants to map, but he also wants to preach. He also wants to travel around through the area and get it all done. That's his mission. And so when he comes to the border of the town, he waits, and the king comes to him, and the king looks over David Livingston's stuff, and he wants to pick something. And he sees a goat. David Livingston carried a goat with him because he had real bad stomach problems because of the diseases there, and he could drink goat milk. And they say goat milk is very therapeutic if you've got stomach issues. And so David Livingston depended on that goat. I mean, he needed to have goat milk. And there's not a lot of goats there that he could pick from in the, in the villages. So the king looks, spies that goat and says, hey, I'll take the goat. So they give him the goat. And David Livingston is sitting there thinking, rats. <laughs> Maybe he didn't say that. I, should I not have said that? He said, there goes my goat. I need, Lord, I need that goat. You know my stomach. I need that goat. And he's waiting now for the king to give him something because the king would give him something in the exchange. And the king goes over and hands him his cane, his walking cane. He's an old guy. Gives him his cane. David Livingstone forces that smile. Thank you. 
I can't drink a cane. And he's upset because, you know, he says, now that my goat's gone, all I've got is this cane. But he comes into the village, and after a while, somebody came up to him and said, wow, you're a pretty honored person. And he said, what do you mean? He said, the king gave you his cane. He said, yeah, a lot of good I can do with a cane. He said, I, I wanted my goat. I wanted to keep my goat for the milk. And he says, no, you don't understand. He said, that cane is the symbol of a king. And he said, it has all these markings on it, which identifies this king who gave it to you. He said, you can take this cane and go to anywhere on the continent of Africa and show that cane, and they'll let you in anywhere. He said, now you have access to all of Africa because you have this cane. Only kings have this cane. And he said, you have now access to the entire country to preach and to do missionary work and the map and do everything else. Hey, saints of God, with the key that God's given to us, you have access to everything. You have access to everything. Now you have the ability to enter into places that not everyone can enter into. And do you understand that God reserves so many great mysteries and truths and promises for us in this last day that were not known they were there, but they were not known. They were not, they were not traveled. They were paths that were not traveled for other ages. They were paths that were not traveled by other believers. They were limited to the just shall live by faith or sanctification or the restoration of the gifts and so on. But in the last day, God came along, I believe, and handed us the key that allows us to be able to walk on all, not, not, just, not just bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the entire book comes open to us. And the revelation of scripture comes open. The seals come open. And all of the mysteries that were locked and hidden. You know what? You've got the key of the king. You've got, like Brother Branham had the sword of the king when he went to the mountain there. And, and, and God said to him, this is not just a sword. This is the sword of the king. And it unlocked everything. It cut its way through everything in order to give him access. I say this, saints of God. God has done the same thing to us in this last day. Don't lock God down to just one particular uh, way of doing things. And don't let somebody tell you, well, uh, you, you thought you have, but you don't have it. Let me tell you, you've got to be sure. You've got to have that assurance of faith in your own heart. And if you don't have that, you ought to say, Lord, give me that assurance of faith in my own heart. Give me that assurance of hope that will hold me to the end. Because that's what God wants me to do is to stay faithful and steadfast right to the very end. And let me use this key to unlock every door, every promise, every benefit of serving God. Let me open it up for my own life and for my family and in ministry and whatever else. Hey, God saved that for the last. God's given this bride wonderful, great truths in this last day that we might enjoy. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians slide up here. Brother Bram said, he said, the apostolic way, God had no set rule. And when that heart's hungry, he'll give you what you're hungering for. He said, you want the Holy Ghost? It'll fall on you right now. Peter had the keys to the kingdom. He opened it up at the house of Cornelius. He opened it up to, to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. Remember, Philip went down there, preached, baptized them in the name of Jesus, and Peter came down and laid hands on them. All the, the, the story we're just talking about here. Yes, he said, that's the apostolic doctrine of laying on of hands. It's not because you're in a certain church. It's not because you're related to somebody. It has nothing. We have no confidence in the flesh. It's our faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. 
That's how, we, that's how we look at it. That's how we, let me tell you, God can move sovereignly in lives. God can move sovereignly in places in people's lives. I mean, it's just amazing how God does it. Don't try to contain God in a box. We need to come back to the word every time. Need to come back to the word <clears throat> because let me tell you, that's where the answers lay. That's where the answers lay. Absolutely true. We've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. Let's sing this morning. Let's just worship him together. <clears throat> Saints of God, let's do this. We've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. Sing it now. Oh, we've been made victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, we've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in Brother Brandon would go to these meetings and have the great uh, prayer lines and the great, uh, you know, crowds of people that came to the altar and gave their hearts to the Lord. And then he'd go down to a little uh, widow woman's house, Hattie Wright's house. And he'd just begin to be speaking about the things that God had done in our time. And all of a sudden the Spirit of God would move and people, people were saved there. And people were saved over here. People were saved in all these different settings here. You know what it is? It's a heart that hungers for God and a meeting with God coming in contact with that living God. Watch what God does. I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a glorious thing. Let's sing the Waymaker here in honor of Mitchell uh, being married here. Let's just ring it out for the glory of God here. <clears throat> Let's get some words up there on the screen. You, you are here.
his keeper light in the darkness my god that is who I worship you, you are here, Lord, oh, working in this place, oh, and I worship you, I worship you, you are here, and you are here, moving in our midst, oh, I worship I worship you, and you are here, oh, working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. You are way maker, miracle worker, oh, you're the light. My God, oh, you are miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are here, you are here, touching every and I worship you I worship you you are here you are here healing every heart I worship you I worship you for you are we Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Oh, yes. Oh, you are a maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Turning lives around, and I worship you. I worship you. Oh, you are here, mending every heart. I worship you. I worship you. For you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh yes, you are, waymaker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, 
That is who you are. You are Waymaker. You are Waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. My God. That is who you are. For you are Waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, and you are here, touching every life. I worship you, I worship you, and you are here. I worship you, I worship you. Sing this with me now. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Cause you are touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. And you are here. Healing every heart, oh, and I worship you, I worship you. You are here, and you are here, meeting every need, I worship you, I worship you, oh. You are here, in every heart. I worship you. I worship you. For Draw me close to you. Let's sing that little chorus this morning here. As I said in the beginning of this service, you know, it's amazing when the world recognizes that the world is falling apart. And for us as believers, uh, we need to realize the tactics of the enemy, that God is trying to steal your assurance and try to sow other seeds in your field and make you think all kinds of things. You need to leave here with a confidence and an assurance that I'm a child of God, I'm a son of God, and my anchor is cast in him, and my hope is not founded in some church or movement or something else. Hey, I'm, I'm connected to Christ. I came in contact with him and never left him. Still love him today, love him more than I ever have. You need to walk away with that testimony and walk away with that assurance. We're not here just playing church. We're not here just going through the motions here and uh, filling out you know, our duty on Sunday morning. Hey, this is a relationship we have. This is a walk we have with a living God who wants to walk with you more than you want to walk with him. We should be glad and rejoice and be thankful that uh, he's made that possible and given us that assurance. Sing that little chorus this morning now again. 
draw me close to you.
of things I've had my feet. Yet I hunger still, empty and bare. Oh Lord, hear my prayer for question here this morning if it's really really your desire that you'd like to have more of God and I want you when we when we pray just lift your hands to him and just say Lord however you decide whatever way whatever time Lord I want to have all the channels cleared red flags are waving all over this world I just want to be ready Lord I I know I need more of you because I'm still in this body. So whatever it takes, Lord. Heavenly Father, as we bow our hearts this morning, and I've kept the people long, but Lord, I, I just trust and pray that every one of us, Lord, would have, have that true assurance of faith, Lord, that most confident knowing that we are children of God. We are members of the bride of Christ. Nothing, nothing, and nobody can change that. Lord, we are predestinated to have received this message in this last day. But Lord, it's, it's all mechanical until the dynamics come. It's all, Lord, it can be all just intellectual until the Holy Spirit comes and empowers us and makes that, makes that life in us move and surge and Lord, step towards the kingdom. I pray, dear God, that you would stir in our hearts. And Father, you would take away and burn through all of the misconceptions that we have. It's like our, your prophet stood, Lord, with that sword of the word and cut through all these different ideas that people had. And he did it fearlessly, Lord. Fearlessly and graciously because he knew there was a truth and Lord, we want to be those that worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to possess those two things, Lord, because we know, dear God, that's what you desire in this last day, Lord, for people to worship you that way. And Lord, may we, 
May we press on, Lord. Bless this assembly. Lord, there's many needs, many concerns, Lord, and many of those that need a touch from you in different ways. Lord, I pray that you would just pour yourself out upon this people. Lord, administer to our hearts. Guide us in your will, we pray. I commit them to you, Lord, trusting in your providence, trusting in your power. We ask your blessing, Lord, upon this assembly and again, all those that are traveling today, commit them to you, Lord. Pray that you'd bless Mitchell and Megan, Lord. And we love you and we thank you for all you do, all you provide. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And amen. Sing it as you go this morning. May God bless you. More, more of you. I want more of you. Well, I've had it all, but what I need is Oh, yes, of things I've had my fear, and yet I hunger still, empty and bare.